Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Today, our sponsor is a little bit different. Hope City Church is in Sarasota, Florida, and we are hiring a new youth pastor. This is a fantastic church that I have the privilege of being an overseer for. Uh, I counted an honor uh, to serve uh, in, in that capacity to help Pastor Peter Goeski and Pastor Tiffany Goeski uh, lead this church. It really is an amazing story that God's been writing over these last number of years. Uh, and, and we're at the point where we need to hire our next youth pastor. So I'm wondering, do you know any amazing youth pastors who could take us to the next level on our student ministry? What I'd love for you to do is if you do, text the word Hope City, that's H-O-P-E-C-I-T-Y, just all one word, to 44222. So that's just text the word Hope City to 44222, uh, and, and that'll get you in the queue. We'll just look for your email address. We'll make sure that we find everything we need to find to get you in the queue to find more about this youth pastor role. Again, if you know some youth pastors, I would love to talk with them. Again, Hope City to uh, 44222. All right, let's jump in with today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, friends. So glad that you uh, have tuned in. You know, every week we bring you a church leader that we want to kind of highlight for you so you can learn. And today is no exception to that. Excited to have Brett Brixby or Bixby, uh, if I could pronounce the name right, from uh, Bridgewater Church. Uh, this is a fantastic church that you're going to want to plug in and listen to. Now, first of all, I think you're founded in 1807, which puts you up with some of the oldest churches we've ever talked about here uh, on, on Seminary, uh, but currently a multi-site church with uh, campuses in both New York and PA. Uh, it's one of the fastest growing churches in the country. Super excited to have you on the show today, Brett. Thank you. Uh, it's great to be here. Why don't we start by you telling us, tell us about Bridgewater, give us a kind of sense of it, tell us a bit of the story, and then how you plug into that equation. Well, like you said, Bridgewater started in uh, 1807. A guy came through here, and he was supposed to just be a guest speaker, and then there was a big snowstorm, and so he stayed for a week, and they said, you know, why don't we start a church? So he was a circuit-riding <laughs> preacher, and yeah. so he started 13 of these in our area, and 1807 he started the one in Montrose. So that's uh, that's how it started. We plateaued somewhere in there for about 150 years. Um, had a plateau, had a, had a church split over slavery. Okay. And uh, there was the Underground Railroad came right through here. And so yeah. half the church really wanted to be a part of that. And the other half did not. And mm. uh, so interesting piece of, of the Bridgewater history. Yeah, um, interesting. So that's... The, the church, like I said, plateaued for quite a number of years. And then um, around 2005, 2006, 2007, um, God started stirring. Uh, they got a, a new um, lead guy in and mm -hmm. God started working. And so um, we, as, as new people came, um, we filled up and kept filling up and um, I came in 2009, mm -hmm. uh, so I've been here, uh, this is my 11th year, um, and we never set out to be multi-site. Um, we just kept, we just kept running <laughs> just out of space. Happened. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We, um, any more than we wanted to be multi-service. So. Mm -hmm. 
And then obviously you've seen tremendous growth over these last, you know, number of years here. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't, uh, a church like yours doesn't grow unless you have a real kind of heart and strategy for reaching people who don't normally attend church. I wonder if we could kind of dive into that um, kind of aspect of this story. W- what is it that you're doing at Bridgewater to help the people who are connected in your church to reach out to people who are outside your church? You know, we've said before on a seminary, the local church is the only organization in the world whose primary purpose is for those people who aren't connected to it. And so mm. it would appear as an outsider looking at Bridgewater that that there's a real heart and not just heart, but strategy for reaching people who are outside the church. I'd love to hear kind of what has happened and changed and evolved on that side over these years. Let's see. We uh, So Bridgewater did a consultation. They had a, a guy come in back in 2007, 2008, and they were growing, but we're not reaching adults with the gospel. So the, the consultant said, basically, you, you need to really get somebody who's going to focus on more than just transfer growth. You need, you need salvation growth. And uh, so I got a call um, mm-hmm. and I was friends with a guy who was here and he said, we really need you to come. And I said, no. <laughs> um, and then a, a year later, he called again and said, all right, how about now? And so uh, I came as the outreach pastor to Bridgewater. And the goal was, how do we reach adults with the gospel? Mm-hmm. Um, and what we decided was, um, people, well, you've read this before, people aren't against God. They're not against Jesus, usually. <laughs> it's just that we make church so lame that it's hard for them to even see it as an option, where they might even figure out that there is a God or find out that Jesus loves them. So mm-hmm. we started structurally changing uh, some of the pieces, methodology of the church. Um, mm-hmm. We did what most churches have gone through that are are growing. I guess we've, you know, we changed the the services. So we had a a service, and we decided to add a traditional and or a contemporary service on mm-hmm. uh, Sunday morning, and we we had that eleven o'clock time slot that we couldn't touch. So we just added one before that, and it grew and exploded. And we were telling people, invite your friends, invite your friends, invite your friends. Um, once that service filled up, we started the second service on Sunday morning with, we still had the traditional service at 11. We didn't touch that. Um, and then we said, invite your friends. They're going to hear about Jesus. Invite your friends. They're going to hear about Jesus. Um, we'll make invitation cards. We'll make special days. Um, we'll mm-hmm. create holidays that they could invite people, excuses for them to invite people. Mm-hmm. Um, filled that service and then and then made some tough choices about the traditional service. We needed that mm. time slot. Um, and that's really what we said. We said we can, we need to start a, another service for all these young families that are inviting their friends. Um, mm-hmm. So we need the 11 o'clock time slot. That was a painful time because quite honestly, we lost 12 families uh, through that time. Um, we're pastors, you know, we're shepherds. Those hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but God continued to bless. And so our strategy wasn't cute. I mean, it was, I mean, we had a band, we had relevant teaching, biblical teaching. Um, mm-hmm. We still had Sunday school classes, um, right. but we just told people that their, their friends need to hear about Jesus. And if you bring them, we will not embarrass you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too often, I mean, I, I've sat in services where I've been horrified. Um, right. This is the you know, cringe you, factor, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, you don't yeah, really yeah. feel the cringe until you have a, a friend with you yes, sitting next to right. you. And I, I had a guy, so I'm sitting in a service and, and we had a, a missionary up there 
and he was being interviewed. And mm -hmm. the guy next to me turns to me and says, Hey, Brad, what, what's a missionary? Mm. I was like, ah, uh, well, it's somebody who tells people about Jesus. And he, he said, mm. he turned to me again and said, well, well, shouldn't we all be doing that? And I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> here we are. Cringe moment. <laughs> so, so even the word yeah. missionary, like that doesn't even fit. Um, right. And so we basically set out to, uh, we, we just told everybody, we made it normal to invite everybody, you know, to come hear about Jesus. Um, another thing we did as a staff and we were growing as a staff through this process, we decided that we had to be in the community. And so right. I coached Montrose junior football for seven years. Um, our lead pastor was, was coaching high school soccer. Um, mm. we just decided we had to be out in the community. We have to be leading the charge to do this. Um, we can't ask our people to do something that we're not doing. Um, mm -hmm. and we still have, have that philosophy today. Yeah, that's cool. A couple of things I'd love to kind of dive in there. So I think there's a lot of church leaders that would be listening in that would say, Hey, yeah, like I'm, that's the kind of church I want to be. I want to be leading, um, you know, a community of people who are passionate about reaching folks who are far from God. Um, but we get stuck at the, um, how do we communicate that in a way that brings people along to that journey that gets them connected in a way that feels like, Hey, this is a, kind of a great mission to be a part of. Um, what did that look like as the church tried to turn up the volume on, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Hey, the kind of come and see, you know, we've got some, you know, invite your friends, have them come here. But was there anything in that process of communication that seemed to be particularly effective in um, helping to articulate to people um, that, hey, we're trying to be a different kind of church? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, we lean heavily into God stories. So mm -hmm. we made it a point that we wanted to, to parade people up front almost every week. And, and some of this was video, but we didn't have a videographer at the time. So, you know, it, it right. um, we couldn't afford somebody like that. And we didn't even know that position existed probably. So we just paraded people up front and asked them to share their stories. And so life changed, life changed, life changed. We started celebrating uh, salvations with uh, carnations. We still do this today. Mm. And so mm -hmm. almost every week, we would have carnations up front and we'd be holding them up saying, look, th these two flowers, these four flowers represent four lives radically changed by Jesus Christ today. Um, and then we tell one of the stories. Um, one of the neat things about, about a church like Bridgewater is my kids, I have five children. My children believe that God saves people every week. Uh, right. In fact, when there's not flowers up front, <laughs> my nine-year-old said uh, a year ago, so he said, Hey, Hey dad, somebody forgot to put the flowers up front. And I don't remember what, I don't remember what campus we were at. And I said, Oh no, this week, this week, nobody accepted Jesus as their savior at Bridgewater. And he said, no way. I said, yeah, wow. um, we need to pray more. But in his mind, God, God should be saving people every week. Like God should be working through us every week mm, to lead people so to true. Jesus. And so that became normal. Um, mm -hmm. And we, like I said, we still celebrate that today. We just had a, a huge celebration service. We have one every year. It's our business meeting, but it's morphed into just a, a party. And uh, mm -hmm. we had one of those and we had, I don't remember, 464 carnations up front all over the place. Wow. It looked like, it looked oh like my Kentucky goodness. That's Derby. so cool. And they were yeah. everywhere. <laughs> and, um, and actually 
I took some more out and said, you know what? <laughs> we, we messed up because four more people accepted Christ today. And I held those up and added them to the, the bouquet. And that was in the last four years. And that was, that was October. But we just celebrated and celebrated and celebrated and tried to put a, a big spotlight on God's stories and what mm-hmm. God was doing in people's lives. Because I think we forget that, that God really wants to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And too often, I think I just get in the way. Right. That's cool. I love the, I love the idea. You know, we often hear uh, that, that, you know, it, it is as, as simple or as complex as continuing to retell the story. But I love even that practical um, kind of takeaway of, you know, here's a, a carnation to show that to, uh, you know, to, to people. Now, so a, a church um, like yours that has seen a lot of unchurched people come, get connected, fantastic. What impact has that had on, say, the the kind of discipleship side? Your, you know, how are you getting people plugged in? I know there's a lot of church leaders that'd be listening and would say, "Hey, I, I'd love to have that." But then, how? What, what do I? How do I? What do I do with all those people when they arrive? How do I get them plugged in? What are you learning on that front? And then, how has the kind of culture of the church changed over time as you've had, you know, an increasing number of adults who have taken steps towards Jesus? Jesus actually be a part of the community uh, long-term? Excellent. Excellent questions. There's a lot there. Um, mm-hmm. let, me, let, let me start with the, the first thing, I think. And this goes back to something I learned, not in seminary, but out of seminary, that every solution creates a problem. Mm, <laughs> so That's good. So <laughs> yes. we solved the, the, hey, people aren't hearing about Jesus problem. Right. But then when God shows up and you've got 400 people to disciple <laughs> – um, mm-hmm. that, that's, that really creates a problem. I mean, that's a logistical nightmare. Um, yeah. and, and what we, and, and I, we could, we could debate about programs that are out there and the, the milk booklet and the bread booklet and the meat booklet and, um, navigator two, five, two, seven or whatever. But, but what we've decided to do is let's just plug people into ministry, um, mm-hmm. at the lowest level, wherever they fit. Let's, Let's get them relationally connected with other people who love Jesus and let's get them serving. And I'll, I'll tell you, that's, that's pretty simple, but, but Jesus had his disciples passing out um, bread and fish. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, he, he had them serving. He, he had them hanging out with each other. And so at its, at its base, that's really what we've done. We've said to all of our, our leaders, you have to replace yourself. And mm-hmm. so find people who can do your job. And mm-hmm. because we're a multi-site ministry, we're always spinning off launch teams and we have to have one, we have to have two of everybody so that mm-hmm. when that team goes, we've got somebody to, to step in. So I would say that the solution, the, the salvations did create a problem. Um, right. What we found though, is because so many of these people have come, okay, let me back up a second. So we, we're in rural America. So I, Montrose is 1,385 people. One stoplight. They just added a second stoplight. Um, big change. That's a big change. It was hard for us to deal with. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I get that. Um, and other other campuses also are in very rural communities. 1,100 people in Halstead, um, 1,300 in, in Tunkhannock. So we have small communities and and yet... Montrose is a 600 person campus and has spun off people over and over again. So, so what I'd say is when you, 
when you reach that many people for Jesus, we're not attracting them from other churches. There aren't any other churches. I mean, it's, right. it's Northeastern <laughs> yes. Pennsylvania, Southern tier of New York. Um, yes. Very unreached. But they love Bridgewater because God showed up in their lives at Bridgewater. And so their loyalty, their commitment, their desire to be involved in the, the church is, um, it's, it's actually for a bunch of them, it's a privilege. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that's cool. I, I love, I love the idea of, and we've seen this, um, in churches that are, that are really effective at reaching people that, uh, oftentimes the first step using uh, maybe traditional language, the first kind of step towards discipleship is actually a service step. Like you're saying, Hey, get jump in board, jo- join a team. Um, and, uh, you know, that will then end up developing, you know, closer relationships. And it's obviously then across that bridge of relationship that we see people take steps closer to Jesus. What would be some of those roles that you've seen work particularly effectively for folks that are just early in their faith? Cause there may be people that are listening in that are, you know, there, there, there are some churches that gate any volunteer role to say, listen, you've got to be with us for X number of years, or you've got to be a member. You've got to have your act together before you can do anything. Uh, so what would sure. be some of those roles that you have found have been particularly particularly effective for folks that are, are just new in their journey. Yeah, that's, that's, that's excellent. Uh, I, I guess even that depends uh, on their personality and, and, and not even only their, their spiritual maturity, but I, I would say pretty much anybody can greet. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> can be a true. greeter. Uh, Stand here and be much, nice to people. <laughs> that's right. If you can yes. smile, you can be a yes. Bridgewater greeter. Um, yes. We have plenty of people who are excited about Bridgewater and call it their church, even though they have not accepted Christ as their savior yet. Yeah, um, you can Fantastic. serve coffee in our cafes. Um, you yeah. can you can definitely be a part of that. You can work in the parking lot and park cars. Um, mm-hmm. We have we have a parking lot teams at every campus. Um, we have one campus that has four parking spots, and so they have a oh, wow. team of fifteen guys who who help people across the streets and are in different parking lots around town. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but those are, those are all easy serving opportunities for, for pretty much anyone. Um, Mm -hmm. now we even have some children's ministry opportunities for people who have not accepted Christ yet and, or are new in their faith. Um, and as long as they get the background checks, the FBI and the, the clearances, um, Mm -hmm. we welcome them. We have something called a dad on duty, which is, uh, which is really just a dad who's on duty and he, (laughs) <laughs> at all the services, right. at all the campuses, he guards the door. You know, that's that's security just to make sure nobody's coming into kids ministry that that shouldn't be coming in. And that's their that's their job all hour um, now. So we're relaunching again here with all the covid stuff. And we've got cleaning teams at every campus. Right. Well, that right. that's can be if you can fog a mirror, you can wipe Clorox wipe on some on yes. something. So <laughs> yes. so that would be another entry level ministry. And and obviously there are. There are other ministries that that may or may not fit. I mean, we we have some. I mean, I don't know how much your listeners are up on bands, but for us, it's hard to find great drummers. Mm, <laughs> and so, right. And so, our our philosophy would be, regardless of your spiritual maturity, if you can drum, God sent you for a reason <laughs> to that campus. Right. Right. You better get up there and play. Yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. 
Yeah, no, I get that. No, and that actually, you know, that's that kind of segues into we're obviously in this reopening phase. Um, you know, how has you know what did you experience in the kind of all digital phase when it came to reaching unchurched folks or reaching lost, lost folks? What happened then? And then, as you're looking to the future, is there anything you're changing around how you do ministry that's kind of been impacted by this season? Hmm. <clears throat> Well, well, very early on, our, our lead pastor, Barry, and Barry's, a, Barry's a, a unique mix of teacher, strong teaching gift, strong leadership gift, and mm-hmm. strong shepherding gift, which is, it's an odd mm, gift mix. Well, that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Often you don't see those together. But uh, great leader. He jumped out in front and, and basically said, we've got to keep the ship going forward and we don't want to take a lot of turns during this time. And so w- what we did early on, well, obviously everybody in, in the nation, you know, March, third week of March, um, mm-hmm. we, we basically said, okay, who are we? And what is our mission? <clears throat> Let's just continue to accomplish our mission within the new parameters that we've been given. So right. uh, <clears throat> obviously that meant digital. We put our kids ministry digital, um, started recording our rally times, our big group times, um, our youth ministry, student ministry was already digital. We just packaged it different. Um, and we had an online campus already. So we simply uh, continued to record. We did some different things with worship sets, with mixing, um, did the Brady Bunch mixing where everybody yes. was in their homes and it <laughs> yes. mixed it together. Um, yep. But but really, Barry did a, did a phenomenal job of saying, this is, this is our lane. Let's just stay in our lanes. Um, Let's not do anything that will spin us out of control or even tip us over during this time. Um, mm. And so we know who we are. You know, we know what we've been called to do. And mm-hmm. let's let's keep reaching people for Jesus. Let's keep uh, clearly presenting truth, biblical truth. Um, we we took some songs out of our set. We shrunk our, you know, instead of an hour, we were probably 45 minutes or so on our services. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that. But to be honest, we did not see incredible online growth. Um, sure. Yep. We, we saw some early on, but it petered out whatever we had gained. I think we lost. Um, yep. I think people got zoom fatigue and just kind of said, Oh, just make it stop. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure that, that we've seen that. What we did see is our, most of our small groups went online and continued to have very high attendance. I, I would say that if you were connected at Bridgewater, you stayed connected for the most part. Right. right. Or you were chased if you didn't. Um, <laughs> what, what, right. what we wonder we're gonna about We're going to find is, you. <laughs> that's right. What we wonder about is the, the there's probably a couple thousand people that, that were already fringy. Uh, yep. You know, the one time a month attenders or one time every six week that, I, that we just don't know. Um, it's a huge unknown, you know, will they return? When will they return? How do we care for them if they don't want to be cared Mm -hmm. for? Um, Mm -hmm. they, they call Bridgewater their church, but so does the person who comes just at Christmas and Easter. Um, Right. Like, oh yeah, Bridgewater, that's a great church. And we think, well, who are you? Oh, I come to your church. I was there at Christmas. Um, yes. (laughs) So to be honest, that's, that's an unknown. Um, yeah. It, it did a couple things well, though. I, we we're going to take advantage. I know Rahm Emanuel. I think said, you know, never let a crisis go, go by without yes, taking advantage but, of it. Um, yep. And so it allowed us to to ramp up. We had online giving at about forty eight percent. Now 
online giving's like 82%. Um, right. And so that's a blessing. Um, yep. We didn't want to pass buckets anymore. And so this has allowed us to put uh, offering boxes on the wall in the back of all of our auditoriums. Um, mm-hmm. It allowed us to look at staff and shuffle and, and figure out, you know, what does God want? You know, what would be our best? Um, right. And I think that was beneficial, at least to ask the questions. Um, we didn't do anything with that necessarily, but well, I guess we did. We moved, we moved a couple people around. Moved some folks around. Yep. And Different I think that was the positive kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, so we did, I think we did do some things that I think we should have done. And this was a great excuse to, to do those. Right. Yeah, that's good. And then as you look to the future, um, obviously, you know, it's hard to predict. We don't know where we're going, but when you think about the future, um, and obviously your, your church's heart to want to stay connected with folks who are far from God, what would be some of those things, um, as you're thinking about the kind of reentry or thinking about kind of what's coming next? Um, what, what are you kind of, what are some of the questions you're asking, uh, as a church to try to continue to position yourself as to, to be the kind of church that where people who don't normally attend church will feel at home and welcome? We're actually asking where God wants us to go next. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Like new, we, like new campus locations. New campuses, kind of yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and through this process have begun. Um, we, we've got, we've got a, a, a campus on the side right now that um, they approached us through this process and said, we want to be Bridgewater. And we've, yep. you know, been, been talking with them and working out details and thinking through that. Um, but we had, we had talked about launching two campuses in 2020. And mm-hmm. so, you know, where, where next is definitely mm-hmm. one of the questions we're asking because like other churches, when we do launch campuses, we see many, many people accept Christ in that first three year period. Um, yeah. And we don't want to, and there is a saturation point and I don't know what it is, but in, in our small communities, you know, I thought it was 10%, you know, spiritual tithe, the community. And well, right. <laughs> then, then when you get past 200, then you say, uh, okay, 20% must be saturation. But then when you get past three or 400, you say, well, maybe there, is there a saturation? Like, I, I, I guess I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, but we are saying, okay, if, if the gospel has been shared with, with 68% of Montrose zip codes, where does God want us to go next uh, and do the same thing? And so we look at elementary schools. Uh, we believe that every town or, or every place that has an elementary school has enough young families and enough mm. young children that they need a great church. So that's great. So we look at our map and actually I've got a map in my, in my office on the wall and we look at school districts and say, okay, where, where is there a school district around us within 20 or 30 miles that doesn't have a gospel witness yet? Okay. How, do we have, a critical mass? Do we have demographically people who are coming from there already? Do we have a leader? All right, how do we do it? Um, and so we're asking those questions right now. We're also looking at who are those who are those young leaders that have stepped up through this time that that we need to build a fence around um, mm. in New Jersey. You know that <laughs> they talk about building a fence around New Jersey and how can we keep everybody you know, coming to Rutgers university to play football. Sure. And so <laughs> yes, we talk that way. We like college football. So um, Barry and I talk about that and say, okay, how do we build a fence around Bridgewater kids, you know, anybody 25 or under that uh, right. to help them 
feel like they've got a meaningful future at Bridgewater and then keep placing them in, in ministry positions that we can watch them, encourage them and teach them and mm-hmm. see what God does. I mean, of our, so we have 34 staff members, 33 of them have come from within Bridgewater. That's great. That's amazing. And so if we can continue to do that, um, I think that's, that's what, you know, what the future hopefully looks like. And we're saying, okay, who's next? Who's next? You know, who's out there? Right. Love that. Yeah. I love that. I, I'm not surprised at all that you're, you know, earlier in the conversation there, you were talking about how, you know, there's another church that's approached you for a, you know, like in a rebirth merger situation, you know, where, will that be the, if that, if that ended up going through, would, would that be the first time that that had happened as a, as a church for you? No, we've done, uh, we've done a couple other mergers. Um, and then one acquisition. So Tunkanic closed their doors and gave us their facilities. Um, mm-hmm. Vestal, we merged with another church, another ministry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then um, and we did another one too with, but there were only 14 people, but, but we merged again. Um, right. To be honest, the, the acquisition was easier than the mergers. <laughs> sure. I mean, that's sure. Um, that's just reality. But, um, but we pray a lot and, you know, one of the, one of the things we pray a lot is, you know, is this a distraction or is this where God's mm. directing us? Right. Because I think right. it's hard sometimes to, to discern whether an opportunity is a distraction or whether it's God's direction. Right. Right. Very cool. Well, you know, the, um, you know, we're seeing, we've seen a lot of that during this period where, you know, growing churches that are making an impact are having, there's been an increased pace around, um, you know, or joining churches coming to churches like yours to say, Hey, we'd love to be a part of that. You know, we've seen a real increase in that in this season, which makes sense. I think some of the financial dynamics, particularly that, that have, that some churches have experienced, they've accelerated some of those conversations. Um, so yeah, that's, that's exciting. I'm excited for, uh, you know, for you guys. Well, I've appreciated this conversation today. It's been fun to kind of get a bit of an insight into, uh, the church. Is there anything else you'd, you'd would love to share with us, Brett, as we kind of wrap up today's conversation? Well, I, I guess I would, I would just say I'm, I'm honored and humbled that somebody would, uh, would want to ask us questions. Um, we really, we're just a bunch of guys that are trying to continue to solve the we're too full problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not geniuses. We, we look at around the table and say, huh, you know, why us? Um, we didn't set out with a grand plan to do any of this. We just continue to outgrow our facilities and say, okay, God, now what? And mm-hmm. uh, try to be sensitive to where he's leading. Uh, that's cool. If people want to track with you or with the church, where, where should we send them? Where do we want to send them online to follow the story a little closer? Our, our website is bridgewater.church. Mm-hmm. Um, Perfect. And uh, they could they could go there and they could find uh, me on there. Um, they could find Barry, our lead guy on there. Um, we're, we're willing to have conversations. I tell you, that's because we're always learning. We're trying to network. We're trying to find people that are, that are in rural communities like we are um, mm-hmm. and are doing it better than us or a couple steps ahead of us. Um, we're, mm-hmm. we're all live communication. So to find another rural multi-site ministry that's all live communication and has essential services like ours. Um, it's a little unique, but every, every ministry is unique. So, Right. Very cool. Well, I appreciate being on the show today, Brett. Appreciate you uh, giving us some time. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Rich. 
Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.